Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue Blue Podcast. podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co-host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, it is the Burnley match review episode, uh, classic Monday match review. Uh, Nick, look at you rocking the throwback kit there. Uh, It says Chelsea Football Club, so you know you can support it. That's right. Our our friends at 3Retro have the shirt on their site. It's from the 1960s. The, The badge is huge. Um, and it's, it's very nice. It's felt. It's great. And, and Dan, you looked like you went for comfort over anything else today. And I applaud well, you. Well, it was, a, it was a, a, a pull assist day. So a little USA mm-hmm. national team kind of action going on here in terms of the gear to, uh, you know, now that he's finding some, uh, some attacking form again, it's good. All right. Well, I like that. Uh, as you can expect, uh, a lot to dig into this one. Obviously we'll be chatting about the dominance and the ability that we had in an attack Getting a, getting a couple goals. We'll obviously talk about the rise of Calum Hudson, Doy, Mason Mount, and even defensive solidity if it's here to stay. And then, look, we're not going to leave this episode without talking about the indomitable Chelsea women, the the monsters of the FAWSL, uh, mm-hmm. just continuing to cruise. So we'll touch on them. But to kick it off, Dan, let's do our three word match review. Well, it's nice, you know, when there's a win to talk about, because that means the three-word match reviews are usually uh, spicy. And so we did have some good ones here. Uh, Abby with the loving Tuchel's tactics. Also, Loco Coco Pops with the Thomas Thomas Tuchel's tutelage. Really trying to make sure that the three times fast rule, not going to pull that one off. What was that? Tuchel. Tuchel. Not Tuchel. I already screwed that up earlier. Just trying to get it right. Just look. We're not, we're not impervious to the occasional mispronunciation. That's all I'm saying. Well, in addition to those, we had the scintillating Spanish scorers from Big Nash. We like had that. Mark with the Spanish Fiesta. Yes. Karen with the Marcus Alonzi. We had Amart with the Prodigal Son Returns. Our friend Adi with the Six Point Sunday Morning. And then uh, Ganazagina 
30 with the German goal machine. Uh, that was for the wonderful Melly Lupultz with her brace today for the Chelsea women's team. Not, <laughs> not our other Germans on the men's team, but you know, it's a good shout out. I have to make sure we're inclusive of all the great Chelsea wins that happened today. All right. Well, Dan, let's uh, make it a little less inclusive and talk about your inflammatory three-word match review. Well, I mean, Saturday afternoon, you know, you're scrolling on Twitter. You see an account throw out a photo of Marcus Alonso and people traditionally do what they do and they lose lose their minds. And so uh, he comes in, he scores a goal today uh, against a team that really didn't want to actually play football. Uh, so, you know what? Three-word match review is lineup meltdown overblown mm. because it worked out. I know. Uh, big surprise. I put something on Twitter about that, too. I said it's a results-driven business. I really hope we get the results so we can talk about what happened on the pitch and not the lineup sheet beforehand. And thankfully, we will get to do that. Uh, I put setting the ship. So it's it's obviously not where we want to be end product, but it seems like some things are starting to settle into place after a managerial change, which I think are, are positives in that sense. And Nick... For all of you out there that may be hungry right now, you might want to skip ahead. That's right. Uh, Tasty as paella, baby. We have two Spaniards on the score sheet. We got to bring in the local cuisine. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, as we said, uh, what we're going to discuss is get into our our gratitudes and a little bit of housekeeping. So shout out to Nevin and Brian for joining us on Patreon today. Uh, Apple Podcast, Dan, we got some five star love. We did. We got a bunch of it, actually. We want to thank uh, Goddammit123, Blues Girls 26 from the other side of the pond, giving us a wonderful review. Uh, CMBM giving us one, and then Banjax15. Maybe it's like your Applejacks love there, Brandon Busby. All giving us wonderful five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. If you haven't done it yet, leave one and we'll give you a shout out at the beginning of the next episode. I was supported. Am I Applejacks on Discord? I'll, I'll like to have you know. Mm. Nick, uh, housekeeping over to you. Uh, what a long draw on this one. So excited that we've been <laughs> dripping this teaser for at least a week. Uh, apparently, tomorrow morning. Allegedly. At 8 a.m. Central Time. We're going to talk to Matt Law, which means Tuesday morning. Shock! You, Shock. you are going to have an episode <laughs> with Matt Law on it uh, in which we will talk about a number of things, including a little bit of Tuchel, a little bit of Lampard's last days, a little bit of players, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe a little Billy G action in there. So this should be a loaded episode. Matt Law um, has been quite busy, it turns out, with uh, actual reporting on on what's going on at the circus of Chelsea Football Club. And so that is that's going to happen this week. And then we play Tottenham on a Thursday. OK, mm-hmm. it's not great, but we're going to have a, a match review on Friday. Uh, heading into um, the next match. So it, it's going to be a jam-packed week. Yeah, definitely expecting to have another three-pod week, which I think a lot of you quite enjoy. So, look, we're just excited to have uh, Matt back on the pod. Like I said, mm-hmm. we we rescheduled about 15 times with him last week, and we just said, you know what, boss? You go do you. We'll, we'll catch you next week when the dust is settled, which it'll be nice because I think we can pull in a lot more context than just the instant reactionary thing. So uh, anyways, let's go ahead and jump on into it. The match review time. It was not Wolves. Dan with the landmine. <laughs> Number one, we played Burnley in the Premier League this past Sunday, the 31st of January. It was at Stanford Bridge and Chelsea too. Burnley nil. 
And score predictions, I don't know who wrote this, but it's in all caps and I refuse to read it. Yes, I did. I actually, I actually wrote it. I put wow. it in there for him. Credit where yes. credit is due. You cl- I clowned on him. I clowned on Nick. <laughs> People actually loved loved the impression, by the way. There were some tweets talking Boy. about how good it was. Boy. Can Some really smart and wonderful people. <laughs> we all have to raise our expectations of impressions from here on out. That was something just real special. But first score prediction right of the season. You're welcome. I did it. You're welcome <laughs> because that's what we needed. All right. Look, he got it right. Uh, obviously, at this point, I'm sure you can understand that it was 2 nothing was his correct score prediction, as I listed. So let's go ahead over to the Chelsea fifth stand app. Uh, let them run us through the goals. Refresh your memory since it's been a day. And a friendly reminder, go download the fifth stand app if you haven't already. If you have, open it. Check in. Let them know how you're doing. Uh, it's the only official app from Chelsea. They let us use the audio for this podcast, so uh, we thank them for that. So here we go. It is game two for Team Tuchel and Burnley are at the bridge. Wednesday's draw with Wolves was a tricky night all round after a dotty run and the departure of club royalty. Let's see how Chelsea follow it up here. Hudson-Odoi on the charge. There are plenty up, including Aspilicueta. And the captain... Up from the back, scores the first goal of the Tuchel reign, five minutes before half-time. Chelsea in front against Burnley. Great finish. Hudson-Odoi in space again and running at pace. Huge deflection. It would have been a rather fortunate goal. Pope already with his body weight going the other way, a whisker away from 2-0. Mount for Hudson-Odoi. Lovely weight. Oh, how's it not too? Ben Mee got a touch. That's a good save. Ben Mee almost put this into the back of his own net. This is better. Hudson Adoy, they cannot contain him. And he's found Pulisic, who nearly found the corner. Still, it's only one. Jorginho finds him again. This is worth a hit. It comes out off Pope. It could so easily fall into a blue shirt. Pulisic into Alonso. That'll do it. He's always had an eye for goal. We were talking about it earlier. Back in the side for the first time in a long time. Marcus Alonso makes sure of the points here. It's 2-0. Relief. For the results and genuine pleasure at the performance, Thomas Tuchel has his first win as Chelsea boss. He needed it and his team really deserved it. Two goals to nil and as commanding a 2-0 win as you're likely to see. All right, there it was. At, uh, few few people could you choose out of this lineup to be more unlikely of goal scorers, uh, but here we are. Cesar Azpilicueta and Marcos Alonso on the goal sheet. So, Dan, what was the lineup that got us to this 2-0 win? Well, Tuchel's lineup had some changes from the last match. Surprise. It did not involve Edouard Mendy leaving his starting place, though. Rudiger, Silva, Azpilicueta as your back three 
And no surprise, Marcus Alonso returns after a very long stint in the hinterlands. Jorginho and Kovacic, along with Callum Hudson-Odoi, make up that attacking, uh, that you know, minded midfield grouping. And then Tammy Abraham, Timo Werner, and Mason Mount. You also saw Kepareth Balaga, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, Ben Chilwell, and Golo Kante, and Olivier Giroud enjoying themselves on the bench. Well, Reese James, Christian Pulisic, and Kai Havertz ended up coming in as substitutes. And there was a wonderful quote from our friend Will Bleeds Blue in our Discord asking the question, Remember when we thought the back six of Mendy, Chili B, Zuma, Silva, James, and Conte has a DM solidified the defense and that was set for the rest of the year? Yeah, I me mean, neither. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to talk about what that defensive unit looks like now and, and how we think it's going to be going forward because it's... Uh, the biggest change, mm-hmm. maybe, that mm-hmm. Tuchel has made at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, look, made my Emerson prediction in that lineup look real dumb. Yeah, um, boy. We struck out on the left backs, I will say. <laughs> Yikes. Was not was not expecting that. Uh, I, I did predict changes, but we didn't get... I think the ending lineup was closer than I had than my starting lineup. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll take some partial credit. So top line stats here, Chelsea with just over 71% possession. We had 19 shots, eight on target to Burnley's one shot, none on target. 890 touches, 723 passes. Burnley had 287, <laughs> less than half. Uh, 15 tackles goes to Burnley to our 13. Uh, they had 21 clearances to our 17. We had four corners there, too. A couple offsides apiece. One caution to Burnley. Seven fouls conceded our way. Nine to Burnley. So overall, as you paint that picture, you assume that Chelsea were trying to dominate and manipulate the game for most of the time, and they did. So uh, last one here is at Kaylee underscore graphics. Always coming in clutch with the XG. Uh, Chelsea had a 1.3 to Burnley's 0.4. I mean, that's that's pretty much Chelsea keeping the door shut the entire match, Nick. Yeah, I mean, that it's... <laughs> Burnley did not set out to play football, as Dan eloquently said at the beginning of this podcast. It was like Wolves all over again, except Burnley's worse than Wolves. So that's the, it. the thing to keep in mind is that they did not have their shot until the 93rd minute on that set piece attempt. Yep. We were sh- we had a no hitter, as uh, Kaylee Graphics actually tweeted from his main account. There was the uh, the footballing equivalent of a no hitter going mm. into the 93rd minute. I was, I was, I was more invested in that that late in the match than keeping the clean sheet. I, was, I wanted to see it go down. I wanted to see zero zeros. Well, I mean, look, that's two matches in a row for Thomas Tuchel that we've conceded zero shots on target. Wolves had four, but none on target. So, uh, again, maybe I'm dropping little breadcrumbs for what is to come. Mm. But who cares about defending? when we can talk about the attack. So before we get into that, we're going to take our ad break, get it out of the way. But we do appreciate these sponsors for financially supporting the show. We hope you enjoy it when we're back. It's all about, well, one of the funniest tweets, I think, that we saw all match in talking about Callum hudson Adoy. So we'll be right back. All right, here we go. There's a lot of times we'll start by using a quote from a player or a manager, but perhaps Sean Dyche summed up Chelsea's performance best. Dan, uh, over to you for the uh, Sean Dyche impersonation or whatever you call it <laughs> i won't even try impression it's, it's, uh, come on yeah. dan yeah <laughs> uh, i, I, I actually haven't listened voice. to him speak long enough yeah. uh 
Yeah, I, I thought they were excellent in the second half. Sometimes you just have to hold your hands up. It just it wasn't just the quality, but the tempo in their play. We couldn't get the ball. It was very difficult today. I mean, they played hot potato. They didn't want the ball. They didn't want to come after us. They were just happy to sit back and hope that they could nick a point because we've had trouble scoring. And so, yeah, this is what you get if you're not going to come to play the game, Nick. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, what what he said there is really interesting, especially when you consider their recent run of matches and who they played, right? We overwhelmed them, and they just went to Anfield and won two weeks ago. So it, it, I was thinking about that today and just thinking about their recent run of fixtures and all these teams that they've played, and I wonder if Chelsea is just the worst matchup for them in the Premier League because we seem to just run all over them every time we play. And and we've done that for what I think this was the fourth or fifth consecutive match now. So I don't know. I think one, it was a uh, a, a slight shot at uh, Nick Pope for not getting his hands up. So I think we can definitely read into that. Totally kidding. Uh, but more importantly, I don't think Sean Dyche is one to like hand out compliments very often. And it's it doesn't help a manager in the Premier League after losing to say, hey. We lost to the better team. No, you have to pull something out of it to kind of like save face. You know, hey, Chelsea, they've spent $200 million this summer. We haven't. You know, we're able to hold with them until they, nothing. He just said, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I got nothing this time. You know what? Credit where credit's due. And so I also think that that is is very significant uh, as we kind of mm-hmm. look at these things. Uh, he, the, the biggest surprise of all, which, you know, he was – understandably, or probably once we saw him in the lineup, not surprised he was involved in the attack was Marcus Alonso. Um, so he, he, look, he scored, could, could have had a second. Uh, we knew we were going to get from Marcos, you know, like he's inside the box <laughs> making runs while <laughs> he's got wide players actually behind him. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and hear what uh, the, the gaffa uh, too glad to say about um about Alonso, here we go. Part was like, if we bring him in this role, there is nothing, not not big thing to adapt for him because he's absolutely used to play this role and I think it's his favorite role, his best role. On the other hand, we needed his height and his uh, his strength in the air to defend the corners and, uh, and uh, set pieces from Burnley that they don't uh, catch us uh, uh, there and this was the, the main reason and at the same time we were very aware that if he plays this role he is the guy who has a good timing to arrive in the box and he's calm in front of the goal so he is able to score and I'm very happy that he was decisive again. Well Dan, a lot of people on Discord are talking about how you had to get Alonso in this lineup to warm him up for uh, a midweek match. Engines are revved. Apparently, I, I will Mar- say I I will say we did highlight in the preview pod that the back three was a likely return potentially to Alonzo coming back for Spurs to score because that's just what he does. He likes to score in a London derby against Tottenham. So you know what? This is all (laughs) narrative. It's all narrative. This is all narrative. It's wonderful. You know, if you had this on your bingo card of what was going to happen for uh, the, the Tuchel times, you know, first couple of matches here. Buy a lot you of were card. you were dabbing that one with a, a big red dot very easily there. You know, that's, it's just so good. It, I mean, <laughs> he definitely marauds around and, you know, there's enjoyable things in what he does. There's infuriating things. And I think you kind of called out in our group chat 
Nick, that uh, maybe he was uh, a little bit of a lucky boy at one point with some of the, uh, you know, possible kind of going down type of situations where maybe he <laughs> runs the risk. <laughs> there was a funny, there Matt was Law. a, f- yeah, Matt Law tweeted out essentially, can we have to pull that up? I can't, I can't just misquote this. Um, so we'll do yeah, a clap. Why, why he looked, why you looked that up? I think real quick, we talked about Alonzo. Um, you know, hadn't played since September, right? He got pulled off at halftime in the in the draw with West Brom. Just has been completely frozen out, and I just assumed he would take a while to get in. But Tuchel specifically said why he brought Alonso in. He's like Burnley are direct team on set pieces. They love to hit the long ball, so we needed height defensively. And he's not the first manager to talk about height with Chelsea. It's obviously a Mourinho thing talking about keeping, um, you know. I think he said five player, tall players. You had Modic, you had Ivanovic, your center backs. And he always kept playing Alonso because like we need the height when it comes to defending set pieces. And it sounds like Tuchel is exactly on the same page with that uh, and, and leveraged him for those reasons. We used him offensively, defensively, and and um, he, he did his part. But I thought that's an interesting thing. I think we talked about Joe earlier in the season, just how freaking short our team really is, especially mm-hmm. for being in the Premier League. And I think it's one thing that Tuchel's addressed as a problem. Now, does that mean Alonso's the long-term answer? Who knows, right? But he brought him in today, and after this quote, because I need to get this tweet from Nick first, yep. uh, we'll see what we think looking ahead to Spurs. By the way, we have primo sideline commentary content coming your way today. This is probably one of my favorite things about today's match. Ian Wone, Burnley assistant, asking a foul on Alonzo, which was pretty dodgy, to be fair, was given, quote, because he <laughs> fucking squealed, question mark. Now, that's not my quote. That is the Burnley assistant's quote. But one may surmise that he was not happy uh, with, with that motion. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's probably one of the most enjoyable things to come out of this <laughs> pandemic run of fixtures is that the... <laughs> He, the journalists at the game and sometimes the cameras can pick up exactly what the managers are saying. It was very clear in the women's game, but uh, thankfully Matt and Liam and others uh, got a couple of really choice tidbits from one Sean Dyche in this Bro. particular oh. match. Bro, that's the third time I've been brought to tears by that quote. <laughs> like when I saw it in the Discord at like 6.30 a.m., didn't matter. Like I was, I was, I was in stitches. Like I think... <laughs> <laughs> what makes it so funny is because it's probably so damn true if we're being honest with ourselves. So, hey, uh, Marcos, you know, you know what you do, boss. You, you keep doing you. Uh, and then lastly, just real quick on this, Tuchel said that, uh, quote, if we manage to find a starting 11 that can guarantee to win us 20 in a row, we will not change. It's very unlikely this will happen and we need everybody. I am only some days in and we decided very late that the back three and the two number sixes to stay because of the impact we expected from Burnley. We did some changes offensively just to do them and to have different players and characteristics on the pitch and at the same time, give everybody the chance to show up in competitions. So that kind of is, again, he's being so open and honest with like the reasons behind his decisions. And it's been kind of nice because you don't have to be like, oh shit, why is Alonzo in the lineup? Or why didn't Mason play? Or why did the the kind of the middle four stay the same minus Alonzo? Yeah. He, he's, he's endearing himself, to, I think, to us as fans, so we don't have to guess at what he's doing. And I think this is, whether it's on purpose or it's just him by by his, his natural standard, Nick, it is fantastic for this shockingly jarring transition. Yeah, look, I, the, the club is in a massive point of transition. Right. I mean, there's no other way to put it. The players 
expectations are reset with a new manager. Everybody, for for lack of a better term, has a new lease on life, right? And I was thinking about this today, Dan. I don't know if you agree with this, but you know, the back three since 2016-17 has been a safety blanket for Chelsea in in a hey, we have to shut up shop defensively. We can't lose, right? So if we can't lose, we're going to give ourselves the best defense possible so that we don't get overwhelmed. And I think that's where that's where Tuchel is coming from here, right? Is is just to understand that he has players that can play in a back three or five, depending on how deep we are, and uh, and we have the players to actually play those positions. It's not force fitting people in. And so I think that's why he's he's going with this formation now. I, I don't know if this is going to be the way it stays forever, but you know the defense has looked extraordinarily comfortable against two teams that really don't want to go forward and attack. Well, I would say you know to the point Brandon made just about the the way that you know uh, Tuchel's come in and just tried to reset expectations is really important because if you look at what these two matches were, they were against sides that are struggle to play a competitive game of football, even though Burnley have had some pretty shock results. Mm. I don't think you would necessarily call them a proper footballing side. They are just a defensively curmudgeonly side at times. Wolves have really struggled without him and as the lineup to me, this feels like we got two preseason matches where he was allowed to evaluate the squad to play a ton of different individuals ahead of a Spurs match coming up here where it is going to be different. Like the way we played Wolves and Burnley is not going to be the same way or we're not going to get away with some of the things against a side that has attackers like like Sun in it for 90 minutes. This is not going to be the reality of the situation. We're not going to get as much of the ball in that match. And so a back three might work. You know, we saw Mourinho use a back three uh, with the Spurs team today who are currently losing to Brighton. And hopefully that law may continue. But those are the things that I think we do have the personnel for. I do think you also benefit Nick in this week. I'll throw it back to you real quick on it is, I mean, Callum is a little bit of a shoe in in there, but I actually think it gives you an extra attacker in the moments where teams aren't going to give you the ball. Because, or they're going to give you the ball because you get the opportunity to play him a lot further forward. And so instead of having three up top, it brings a fourth kind of attacker in on you know those overloads most of the time. Yeah, I mean, look, we haven't played a team who wants to come at us yet, right? And so I'm intrigued to see how this all works. But as, as the article that you sent over today um, stated, we're essentially playing – a formation that is a three four two one that then morphed into a three four one two um, at the end of the game, and the the, <laughs> the heat map of where our players were, you know, it was firmly in Burnley's final third. I mean, that's just where we camped out, that's where we lived. Same with Wolves. That's not going to be the case for every game. Hell, that might not be the case against Spurs on Thursday, although they're playing uh, not not great right now. Um, I just I'm curious to see if Callum and his lack of like just pure defensive attributes becomes a risk as a wingback position eventually, or if he is so amped up that he carries through and, and kind of learns that on the fly. 
Um, you know, it, it's something to think about. It, it, you know, it's not a criticism by any means of any player. I think he's been by far the best player in the first two games. Um, I'm just curious to see when we play a team <laughs> that actually wants to play football and, and have the ball for a little bit, how it all works. But that's it. Well, what a great swap to just have uh, Reese James come in too for maybe those grittier battles as well. But yeah, when you talk about the 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 um, you know the average position here, Tuchel said he looks for overloads. He you essentially he has four players around two center backs, so it forces the midfielders to drop all the way to their center backs or their wing backs to pinch all the way in to help cover. We literally have four guys inside the width of the 18 and it makes Burnley choose and it creates room for overlaps and it creates uh, opportunities to play the ball in behind split because they have to choose left or right and again maybe it's just because Burnley but I've kind of said this over and over it's kind of been one of the things I've been holding on to is that today we got to see Chelsea play between their lines and it made Burnley's midfield run backwards and we made their defensive back line run backwards and that is just a, a good situation for us to be in because it's so much more dangerous. So, um, anyways, staying with the Callum Hudson Adoy, um, obviously his third consecutive Premier League start and second in a row for him. Um, Mason looked bright too. So, Cobham doing the business again today, which is good to see because we all assumed, sarcastically saying, that Tuchel came in, therefore, Youth Academy products were gone. And that has just not been the case. So, Statman Dave, Dan, he had some numbers about Callum Hudson-Odoi. Let's paint that picture. So Callum, yeah, did have a day out as Statman Dave put it together. 73 minutes played, 10 passes inside the box, three chances created, three ball recoveries, two tackles, two shots, one assist, potentially could have had more. And uh, yeah, I'll follow it up with this. The next one, too, from Opta Joe is five. Callum Hudson-Odoi has been directly involved in five goals in his last eight starts for Chelsea in all competitions, scoring three times himself and providing two assists fancied. And, you know, look, he's getting consecutive starts and he has rewarded his new manager with performances uh, incumbent of them, Nick. And so I think in general... You know, you have to be excited for Callum finally getting an opportunity to show off what he's capable of doing. And I think this is maybe the fittest we have seen Callum since Mm -hmm. the injury. Yeah, I tell you what, real quick, he is not holding back. That Achilles is is not a concern anymore, which is fantastic to see. I mean, that that fitness point is 100% true. I mean, there is no inhibition. There is no uh, tentativeness. There's nothing there. Uh, he got unlucky today by the fingertip, you know, save off the cross that he put in that he, you know, he didn't contribute um, to another goal. But in general, I mean, his crossing has been so impressive the last two games. I mean, it, very unfortunate to have not, com- you know, the team to have not converted more of those opportunities into goals, uh, to be completely fair to him. I, I think his passing has been extraordinary and he's putting crossfield balls into the other wing that are on an absolute dime as well. I mean, it is, it's impressive. And look, I don't think we've seen Callum look like this since before his Achilles, you know, and I, it just might be his time too. you know, there, there's all, there's a whole confluence of weird stuff happening here at the club, but it could just be that, you know, in every season, there are moments where players step up and have big chunk runs of, of really good performances in games. 
You know, we saw that with Christian last year. We saw that with Mason last year. We saw with Tammy last year. Maybe this is Callum's time. And if so, we desperately need it. I mean, again, I'm I'm intrigued to see if he starts getting the the star treatment a little bit from opposition managers. I.e., we're gonna put we're gonna way overload the right side so that he doesn't have room to operate and then force the left side to come in and contribute. But you know, that would just be a compliment to him. Brandon, speaking of compliments, um, I think the the best quote of today from the sideline commentary piece uh, was from Sean Dyche. And if you'll allow me to read this, I, I really wish I would have worked on my Irish accent uh, prior to this because, because it's quite good. But uh, Sean Dyche, so Liam Toomey, a uh, friend of the show, um, is, is at the game and reported this. Sean Dyche to, to Liam Brady after the last hudson Adoy overlap. Robbie, tune in. And he's like yelling at him. <laughs> Brady fires back at him. I know where he fucking is. I just can't stop him. What do you want me to do? <laughs> the honesty. It, it's so good. You have to respect the honesty, even though I did put so in Discord that I thought Brady looked like an absolute dickhead of a person, just the way he <laughs> carries himself on the pitch. But what do you do? You're like, Gaffer, you got to help me. I've got physical limitations that he doesn't have. <laughs> like, you got to do something for me here because I'm in, I'm in trouble. And I think this was when literally... Callum hudson from two steps in front of him, they played the ball right towards the end line, and he just literally ran right by him. Yeah. Uh, he created that triangle, and Brady <laughs> didn't get the hips turned, uh, not nearly in time. So uh, <laughs> this was – this. you have to, like, be Hudson at Callum, like, seeing this after the match and just enjoying yourself. Like, a cherry on top, too. He knows he's having a good day. He knows he's having a good run. He knows that the manager, when it comes to defensive solidity, you don't want to mess with it if it's working because it's one of the most important pieces of the foundation is to not concede. And right now, against Wolves and Burnley, it's working. So he's, maybe by a little bit of luck that he's created, he's in the plans as right wing back right now, and it, and he's doing so well. If I'm so too, happy for him. Dan, if you're too cool, you print this out on a poster board size thing, and you <laughs> yeah. put that on his on his locker, and and just f- feed the fire, right? Yeah, it's the Ted Lasso school of management. You're just going <laughs> to tape that one up on top of the locker there. But he actually had a quote after the match saying, you know, talking about Hudson Odoi, just you know how he knew about him maybe before coming to Chelsea. And he talked about, of course, we knew him. There were big rumors about him and Bayern Munich. But we knew before, if you're interested in football, upcoming players, he was always in the focus before I ever thought about being a manager. Um, he can have his input on the line. He has the ability to be decisive with his runs, his speed. And at the moment, we have opted for the structure, talking about the wing back type of position. So very clear that, you know, over these two appearances, pulling him early, that Callum, I would say, most likely locked to start against Spurs in the midweek fixture. This is this is his shot. This is his opportunity. If he he's never going to have maybe a better chance to make sure that he is a starting member of this Chelsea squad for the foreseeable future than taking advantage of this opportunity right now. Sure, well, eighteen months from now. I mean, that's a typical. <laughs> I mean, this is the way we go. And I I, I do I do want to give him credit because I think he's he has been by far and away the best performer on the field the last two matches, right? And and one might argue that he's been 
a top three contributor for the last you know ten or so matches when he's actually had the opportunity to play. Uh, it's it's a big credit to him, man. It, it is clear that he has the the Super Mario you know eighth Super Mario mushroom and is and is just kind of operating on a different level, and that's great. And hopefully it elevates those who are maybe competing with him or or on the other side of the field uh, when when he gets the star treatment and is double or triple teamed, right? Um, to to pick up their game and do the business. Uh, that's that's the goal. Is you see one guy shine and you want to go shine just as bright. Well, the the way he set up Aspi for the goal too was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you saw him running in. You know, he 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 had the awareness to say, "I'm too deep in the box. I'm not going to cross. Going to get get across going in here. Let me play it back to Aspi." And, and credit to Aspi too for that run. He was. <laughs> He was finding every little last uh, power left left in those legs to to make it to the ball in time, and just absolutely crushed it there. But just you know, combining well, you know, intelligent play in addition to now really having kind of the full movement, you know, uh, back has really just made him unplayable. Brandon, look, he had two shots today as well. Just you know, from from himself, um, he he had the one where he cut it back onto his left. And in hindsight, probably should have let it roll to his right and taken the shot first time. But he's he's getting into such dangerous positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking at his heat map. Um, I was looking at his heat map earlier today, and uh, he is just firmly, firmly up and down that right wing. But you know, and again, it was it was today, so you can say that you know um, maybe they weren't exactly pushing uh, for him. And at some point, I even put in the Discord like. They're not even like coming at us when we had possession. Burnley were literally just kind of sitting and waiting. Mm-hmm. But Callum, as as a wingback, you would think that he would be, you know, what what do they kind of say? Um, uh, boots on the chalk line, or you want chalk on your boots because you're so wide. Hudson Adoy actually cut in a ton. He he looks almost like more of a like a like a winger attacker based on his positioning of where he spent most of the time. He's definitely inside the width of the eighteen, and that just goes to show that Tuchel wants them to overload these positions so much and, and create these problems and let Aspie overload or support or overlap a little bit on the wing. So it's just creating these positions where he knows he has to go with the guy 1v1 and, and make it happen. And he's excelled right now. It was death by a thousand cuts today, right? Because what, what Burnley aimed to do was make their back four as condensed as possible to not allow Chelsea to go through the middle. The problem with that is Chelsea were not planning to go through the middle. Um, they were planning to go through the outside, right? There was plenty of room for Alonso, plenty of room for Hudson-Odoi and Mount in the first half, but then Werner and Pulisic in the second half to kind of attack from outside in. And uh, it was clear that Peters wanted none of that smoke today. He stayed inside and was just basically not trying to get beat at the end line. And then we just talked about what Brady thought of the whole experience, which was which was not kind on him either. He, you know, neither one of them are pure athletes by by any means, um, at least not in the Callum Hudson and Doyle mold. So it it is interesting to look at that overlap again with Dave, who uh, you know, look, can't you don't have enough superlatives to talk about Dave first. First needed goal of the Tuchel era, and it comes from our our right center back who made an 85-yard run down the field and perfectly placed it into the upper 90 after we know that Chelsea automatically add 10 points to an opposing goalkeeper's uh, performance line um, when, when they roll into the bridge. So 
I think it's just it's an all around great day for Callum. It's an all around great day for the team. There was a lot of hustle out there today, um, and and that's encouraging. Well, what about Mason? Mason joined a a pretty pretty exciting group of players today. So four players have created fifty or more chances in the Premier League this season: Jack Grealish, captain for Villa; Bruno Fernandes. Captain Diver of Manchester United. <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of penalties under that as well. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, um, on, cool. on the quite day, good captain. all world. <laughs> I think he was Player of the Year last season. You know, so he's fantastic. And and one Mason Mount, who's new to the list. So Mason, now, now hold on, Brandon. I thought okay. terrible footballers couldn't make this list. Well, they they can, but they just have to be really good. Ah, uh, so, okay. See, I know what you're saying now. So it turns yeah. out. So what you're saying, it turns out that Mason Mount is actually quite good. Well, I mean, look, it's one data point of many, but when you compare him to those players, we're talking seventy million plus kind of starting price tag for those players. Jack Grealish probably being the cheapest of of De Bruyne, uh, Bruno Fernandes, and Jack Grealish. He's getting involved. He's creating chances. If anything. We're not putting the end result in the back of the net. I was actually uh, peeking around on Football Ref right now, and Timo Werner has an expected goals this season of like six or some. Like he's so highly underperforming. It's not even funny. Which I get it. You didn't need that stat to know that <laughs> the eye <laughs> test is is satisfying that. But it just shows that Mason is actually creating a ton of chances this season, and this just proves it. And then you got Squawka also saying that Mason Mount made more tackles, four, attempted more shots, four, and created the number, created the second most chances, three, during his time on the pitch against Burnley today. Albeit Burnley, Dan, they've been in form. They're quite typically very hard to beat. I think we very distinctly saw Mason Mount play a role where he was able to get the ball, turn in tight spaces, and deliver passes, and sadly misshape three shots wildly from the top left to the far right side of the box. But chances were being created, and he looked very dynamic in those half spaces. Yeah, Mason finally figuring out how to score with regularity will be the biggest joy that I think any of us will find. One... Because we love Mason, and you know, I think we we you know definitely hope for the best for him in terms of his you know just entire playing career. But uh, secondly, because it means that Chelsea have a uh, you know midfielder who is adding goals, which you know, we've talked about this time and time again, is you know you can't just have the goals come from at least today. You know you you'd like to have some from, come from your attacking. <laughs> trifecta not from your defenders necessarily so that was nice to have that come through but you want midfielders who can uh create which he is doing you want midfielders who can assist which he has done this season primarily off of set pieces and you want you know you want midfielders who can score and that's the last question mark piece that he needs to figure out with some level of regularity because in general he's getting into the right places he's setting up others well um, you know, he and then like other midfielders like Kovacic got great opportunities, you know, great locations, but just couldn't convert any of the shots and really just sky them upward. Nick, and you know, you you would hope that that's something that we can really work on because if teams are going to let us have that space in front of the box, you have to at least test the keeper. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're Thomas Tuchel and you're and you're looking at your options in midfield. You know, at all times, right? Because it's a 
it's a place where we have a lot of strength in the team. And you saw from Mason Mount what you saw today, which is he can do the defensive job as a winger, but then he, you know, I think second half figured out we don't need Mason to play defensive winger up top. You know, there is no opposition attack that's happening. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a 3-4-1-2 where Mason is basically the focal point in between Callum, Mark Salonzo, Timo, and Christian, um, who came on for Tammy at halftime. And I'm going to just basically allow him to ping balls wherever he wants and get into some really fortuitous space. And that, I mean, what a role for him there. I mean, Chelsea Youth also said, uh, you know, friend of the pod, um, that if you can live on the half turn in the Premier League, you're going to have a ton of success. And that's what we saw today, right? Receive the ball, half turn, distribute. Receive the ball, half turn, ping across. It, it was great. I mean, it, it's a different. It's a little bit of a different look for for Mason than what we saw previously under Lampard. But he's just a gifted footballer, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. put him in a position to receive the ball, give it to someone else, and then allow him to make a run into the box. And of course, the shots weren't great today. No one's saying that. And and there's some critique there that I think is is fair, but. To be one of four guys in the Premier League, the other three, I think, are probably, you know, two of them are world class and one of them's kind of making his way up the the footballing ranks in the Premier League. To be on that list at 22 gives you nothing but hope that he's going to be extraordinary for Chelsea. Without a doubt. Um, And it just shows something that I've been complaining about for most of the season, which is the midfield. Um, not where I want him to be, but significant progress under Tuchel, at least with shape and moving the ball and getting chances created. Clearly, we don't have really any goal threat coming from midfield, which is, again, is what we need, especially if we want to be world-class and win trophies. But the, the, the steps are moving in the right direction, which I think is exciting. But who cares about offense, Dan, when we can talk about defense? All right? The exciting part of the game, the artistry of football is the ability to defend not score goals and not only did chelsea's defense make life difficult for burnley it also contributed two goals what do you go do that on football when when your defense scores for you i don't know what that term is like a, a pick six you know take it to the house you know like what are you looking for you're looking let's like do for take it to the house we had two take it to the houses today for chelsea <laughs> Is that how that works? Oh boy, Brandon Busby in NFL. <laughs> Brandon, you have Not. to do the Super Bowl shuffle next. See. <laughs> oh. Can't wait. Anyway, uh, Statman Dave with the Chelsea's first two games under Thomas Tuchel is thirty-three shots taken, five shots faced, and only one of those coming from Burnley. Uh, just you know, that's that's wonderful. Uh, I imagine we will get to see you know probably at least double-digit shots from Spurs in the next match. So. It, you know, and probably a few more on target. So I think that we will, you know, see how well we can kind of continue to weather that storm. But this is good. This is foundationally what you want to see. I mean, we, we had this run under Frank, right? We had a run of really low shot type matches, uh, low high quality shots, um, really great, you know, defensive positioning, uh, primarily, you know, thanks to Tiago Silva, who has just been, I think, a revelation in terms of our free signing and 
you know, we've we've ebbed and flowed so far this season, Nick, with the which of the summer signings has been the best for Chelsea. We've seen moments where Ziesh was the name that we were talking about, Chilwell for a, a long run of form. Uh, you know, Havertz and Werner clearly have not been the best. Mendy had had a, his moment in the sun, but I, I think you know it's kind of the 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 dial is slowly moving back to Silva here as being the the best of that grouping of incoming from the summer. Yeah, I mean, he is class. You know, he just is. <laughs> you don't you don't need a, a bunch of stats to tell you what you see on the field, which is calm, controlled, understands where space is, understands where he can step in and make a tackle without giving away an unnecessarily dangerous free kick. I mean, he's that's that's what all the years of experience do for you, right? And he's still fit enough and athletic enough to do some of the hard jobs. Now, again, we saw zero shots on target today, right? And, and you could say, yeah, Burnley's terrible, but that's also like contributing because he's the one snuffing out those over-the-top long balls and calmly dealing with them, and he's the one that understands where the limited runs were going to come from. He's, you know, he's been he's been great for the most part. He's not been perfect, but... That perfect is not the objective, right? Above average in every game gets you a lot of points in the Premier League. So I know Dan, you or sorry Nick, you were concerned with like the uh, the ability to keep up the gigan pressing or in English the counter pressing model. Um, a second match, one midweek and now one weekend, they look pretty sharp most of the match. Well, this I will say this: this is not gigan pressing, right? I think it's like the basics this is high possession in your face football but i don't think this is counter pressing by any means I, we, we are winning the ball back don't get me wrong like that that is happening but but when you watch liverpool and the like the moment the ball turns over and they and they steam ahead towards that person that's not what i'm seeing from our team i'm seeing a little bit more tactically controlled when the ball back counter press a little bit but not all the time some players go some players don't it, it is not the all exhaustive model that i think was trying to be run previously dan that's what i'm seeing i don't know if that's the same for you well we're not under pressure i mean like you know you know Jorginho has had the opponent's final third right i mean that's what Jorginho has had two really good games in terms of being able to you know put the ball onto other um, onto other players' feet. Kovacic actually, I thought, looked really bright this game in terms of moving the ball forward, especially some of the direct passes, which we haven't always seen from him. Um, and, and so, look, if, if you're not going to get pressed, if they're not going to close you down, and you have, frankly, all day to decide what you want to do with it, you should look 10 times better than the other side if you've been drilled and if you have the level of talent that Chelsea do relative to the level of talent that Burnley do. And so there'll be the real test is Thursday, the real test on how well have they plied their trade? How well are they picking up what, you know, Tuchel is kind of brought in here. That's really going to be where we see how much has, has changed in in a, in a a week and a half time. Yep. All right. Um, Well, I think a lot more to come from this, uh, I didn't really get a chance to get into it earlier in the podcast. So I don't know where to stick it before right now because we're about to do the Dana matches. I just want to pull out Thomas Tuchel's quote on why Akim Ziyech didn't play. And he just said that he's at a high risk of injury. So he's like in the red zone. 
and just said he's been he's just been played very hard over the last five weeks. We've had a lot of soft tissue injuries under Frank. Could be for a lot of different reasons. I'm not going to get into did Frank manage the team right or wrong? Is it a new because we have a new doctor or this and that? All I want to say is that the fact that he's using that kind of data and publicly saying like this is why Hakim isn't playing. He's he really can only play 30 minutes safely. I'm so happy just to hear that. Again, didn't know where to put that in the script, but I just wanted to point it out again is something that, you know, Tuchel's given me confidence in and in, in, in paying attention to those things and just being very transparent with it. Um, and I just think that that's, that's hopefully a, a sign of improvement for us uh, on the injury, on the soft tissue injury front, which is usually preventable. So with that I mean, being said. I mean, you, you, you have to be excited about that. Like, and they have to get that right. I mean, mm-hmm. the, Chelsea cannot afford to have a banged up squad going into these matches, especially now that we have to claw it back to get into the top four, right? Like you need everybody as fit as they can be, or you need to give chances to people if some of your stars aren't healthy um, to to get those folks some rest and make sure that they're they're ready to go. So I. I couldn't be happier about this. I think it's going to lead to more squad rotation, Dan. Like that's my that's my like general thesis on it. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I I agree. You're going to get a chance to see a few more players rotated in and out. I think you're also going to see. I don't know if we you know know who's the best, what formation we're going to land on fully. And so those are all things that have to be considered too. And so until that starts to settle. I wouldn't be surprised if it's super hard to predict, you know, any of the next couple of lineups, you know, that we're we're gonna see here. I, I think it's just gonna be there's gonna be one or two head scratchers, but if they turn out as well as the head scratchers did today in Alonzo coming in, then I'm okay with it. I'm I'm more than happy to be pleasantly surprised by every type of interesting lineup selection. Well. It's going to affect your Dan of the Match, which is what we have next, sir. So uh, here we go, Dan of the Match time. Well, you know, a couple people have messaged me last day of the match. They said, you know, it wasn't fair that I only gave them Callum Hudson-Odoi as a, a single choice, right? It was Callum Hudson-Odoi's four time. Uh, so I said, hey, you know what? I'll make sure you have more than one choice this match poll. Wow. Uh, so I did it for him. Man of the people. Uh, so I gave them Callum Hudson-Odoi, who won with a alarmingly high 84%. Uh, and then wrong answer, number one, wrong answer, number two, and wrong answer, number three, uh, with 8.8, 2. 2.7, and 4.4% of the votes, respectfully. What an absolute sass pants move right there. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, if you, if you wonder if, if Dan has, has a dark side to him, this is your answer. Case is in it. point. Well, as we read out the Premier League table, which don't leave. Chelsea women are still coming in this episode. I know, I know we're about to the hour mark, but we have more to come. But as it stands, the men's Premier League table, which the Spurs result just finished, and they've lost to Brighton. Go on, Brighton. Come on, you gulls. First place, Man City, 44 points. Second place, United, 41 points. Third place, Liverpool, 40 points. Fourth place, Leicester City, 39 points. West Ham, fifth on 35. Tottenham, sixth on 33. And Chelsea, seventh, also on 33 points. Uh, Everton, two games in hand on us, an eighth on 33 points, and Villa in ninth on 32 points. Arsenal, 10, 31. And I'll end it there at top 10. Um, your bottom is still Sheffield at 20th, West Brom, 19th, Fulham, 8th. 
and the gap is starting to spread for them. They are 8, 12, and 14 points respectfully. Brighton with a massive three points that puts them seven points ahead. It is it is looking like it is pretty much done for those teams. Um, but back to Chelsea, right? Seventh place, 33 points. Leicester on fourth, 39 points. So a six-point gap between us and fourth. Uh, I think Tuchel coming out, Nick, and saying Premier League's title isn't what we should be talking about. It's too big of a distance. Let's focus on the FA Cup and the Champions League. He's hunting silverware. He knows what his objectives are. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the right thing to say. It, top four is what matters, though, right? I, I, you really getting back into the Champions League next year with the squad that we have just due to the players that we've recruited is something that we should be looking at and being – Six points off, and of course there are games in hand and some other things that need to be sorted out that, that will happen as teams fall out of the FA Cup, right? Um, that that will start to clarify itself soon. My hope is that we can get everybody on level matches played ASAP because it's it's a really kind of unfair thing heading into the last stretch of the season to have teams that could leapfrog or get left behind because of you know other things that have happened. So my hope is that the Premier League starts to fit these matches in and gets everyone level soon. Well, that's that's a concern because Everton and Villa behind us each, 19 matches played. Well, so just keep in mind, though, one of those games is Villa versus Everton, right? So you can't pencil in that, you know, if you're doing your, your theoretical tables, right, and how many points could a team potentially get, Villa has to play Spurs, another team that's vying for a top spot. Everton's two games are against Villa and City. City has two games, Everton and Southampton. Uh, Southampton also has to play Leeds. Like the, the matches that are like ta- still there to be played are not the easiest set of fixtures anymore, which is nice. Like that's something where, as you you chart it, that's a positive out of that now. Maybe less of a negative. We we had about the best results weekend that we could have hoped for. Ooh, I was about to about to do that. I like that. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, so Everton lost. To Newcastle, which is great. Bad beat right uh, there. Oof. Yep. City beating Sheffield. So they stay, you know, they went atop. Uh, Arsenal United drawing nil-nil. Brilliant. Like that. Uh, Villa did beat Southampton one nothing, So that, you know, kept them in and right Garbage around Garbage VAR game, by the way. Garbage. Ugh. That, that, that was fair. That was fair. Um, Leeds pumping Leicester 3-1. to one. Uh, and then Liverpool pounding West Ham, and now Tottenham losing to Brighton. So our our three points were very valuable. And again, with these seasons, I know Dan said that the, the matches aren't easy. They're going to be even more difficult or more up in the air because they're going to get squeezed in on maybe like a Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Monday type thing. Like who knows what's going to happen. So again, this this uh, we've never seen a table like this to my knowledge. Uh, we surely haven't since we've been watching since the early 2000s. Um, every single point is so, so valuable this year in the race for top four. Um, it is it is going to be absolutely wild. So anyways, that is the wrap on the on the match review of Burnley. But hey, we still have the Chelsea women's match. Uh, unfortunate timing. You know, I think, Dan, you had both screens on, but volume on for obviously one of them and, and tried to balance uh, a little bit rude. But in case you missed it, the Chelsea women played Tottenham Hotspur women. Like we had a well, London Derby on our hands. Well, once Robbie Musto started talking about Burnley's great attack, uh, it was very easy for me to mute the NBC feed and uh, just pump up the volume on the Chelsea women match. Come on, Robbie. <laughs> 
Oh, it was great. It was a great game. And, you know, this uh, this Spurs side is definitely an improved one from the side that Chelsea had played uh, maybe in the, the past season or so. But, yeah, it, it was great. You know, Emma made a couple of changes uh, versus the, the side that played Villa. Uh, so Berger, Anderson, Leopold's, uh G and Fran all come in. So uh, Carly, Charles, Ingle, Fleming and England uh, uh, all kind of head to the bench. But yeah, it was, it was a great match. They definitely made it tough for the first 20 minutes, Nick. But, you know, eventually there were some tactical changes made by Emma and just the goals just didn't stop coming. Um, <laughs> look, the, the first 20 minutes were not great. I, I will admit Chelsea got out possessed and we're, and we're typically just second best to every ball. Then what had happened was Melanie loopholes hit a wild shot that, that had as much swerve on it as like, I, I think everyone's seen the Paul Pogba shot from when he was at Juve where it kind of swerved the other way. She hit the kind of same version of that. Um, and it completely caught Spurs keeper out. Like it, she did not see that ball hitting the back of the net until it was already kind of out between her feet. And it was, uh, it was special. And then, and then from there, it was just like all out assault mode. I mean, you had perennial harder, you had Sam Kerr, and then you had a, a pen. Right. And, and it was the, the announcer, by the way, can I, I don't know who announces these games. Uh, I, I don't know his name, but he was so clearly, pro Spurs, pro making this a match, that even at 4-0 down, they were recanting the first 20 minutes of the game. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> like, you know, those first 20 minutes, though, the good old days, you know? Um, yeah, they, they are infinitely more entertaining right now than, than just about anything. They are so much fun to watch. And if you're not if you're not tuned in, a lot of these games are going to be on NBC, especially as we get you know, towards the latter half of the season. But Chelsea are in prime position uh, to have another title uh, where it says home of the champions on the banner um, in, in the stadium. They might just keep that there, Dan. It, it may just stay there. Well, I mean, they've got a Conti Cup match midweek coming up here that uh, is going to be a really tough tie versus Man City. Uh, I mean, the Man City women's team is, uh, you know, one of the best in, in England at the moment. And so that will be a, a challenging fixture. But look, I mean, you could win the Conti Cup. You are doing well in the Women's Champions League and you are currently top of the table in the WSL. So look, I'm not saying all teams like to do a treble, but I'm saying Chelsea women are potentially on the run here for a treble. And so let's just get behind it. Let's support it. I mean, in general, it is a great, a great match, Brandon. It was nice to see. I think, uh, you know, the Pulse is probably the player of the match, you know, in general, like she has been a phenomenal signing. And that's, it's, it's funny to say that when you have so many of like the best of players in Sam Kerr and Beth England <laughs> and Peniel Harder all on the pitch at the same time and say like, Oh, well this is the player in the match when you really, I, I can't run a man of the match for it. I can't, it's too hard. I, I need, I need 10 options. I need 11 options, Twitter. Well, I think that to me, the biggest thing is before we're like, Ooh, it's a little rough. You're chopping and changing. It wasn't like a lot of fluidity. seems like all these top players have settled in and she's able to interchange them without kind of skipping a beat or or changing the way the team plays, which means they're they're understanding her system and the flow. And I think that's what's most exciting. Again, 
you know, we've made multiple changes the last couple of seasons and they've been big changes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's managing egos, managing playing time. And I think for me, that's definitely what uh, is most impressive is seeing this team become cohesive, gel and work together no matter what the lineup is because she has a lot of players to rotate. She has to rotate a lot, but they're not skipping a beat anymore. Earlier in the season, it would be maybe a little harder than you would have expected it to be. Now they are just they're just cruising, and I love every second of it, and I'm so excited to continue to watch them and support them. So huge shout-out, as always, to the Chelsea Women's Channel and our Discord. You all are amazing. Um, uh, appreciate you keeping us up to date on everything. We miss it, so uh, well done. But that's going to wrap us up for this one. All right, big Monday. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, we got to get ready. It's uh, Spurs week, right? So you talk about in America, we have rivalry rivalry week. It's always a big lead up to it. You know, go back, watch the Eden Nazar compilations, watch the, you know, the, the 26 years of beating Spurs at home uh, run. Just there's a lot to fuel kind of your, your, your Spurs fire out there. So go partake and enjoy it. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.